Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. Hello, everyone. Aid here with our very special guest. I'm not going to like do a lot of buildup, but our special guest this week while Tane is out having an adventure is Mandy Slutsker from Is This Real Life? Thank you so much for having me. This is my first venture into the Married at First Sight universe. So excited that you are here. Um, (laughs) The uninitiated are the best, in my opinion. I know. And for everyone listening, Aid told me not to watch anything until this episode. So this is the first episode of Married at First Sight that I have ever seen. I love this. Um, Mandy's usual home is Bravo. Yes, specifically the Real Housewives. But I do a little bit of some of the spinoff shows too, but Housewives at Heart. I just finished Southern Hospitality last night. Did you watch it? I have not, but I will. It's just about finding the time. I'm running out of time. (laughs) We're all running out of time. That's why I was so proud of myself that I like watched a whole new show I'm like look at you thankfully it's short I think it's only like 10 episodes so yeah oh I would I mean I will definitely watch it because I love Vanderpump Rules especially those early seasons and I feel like it's got a similar vibe with just young eager people yes it has a you know the I usually don't like the young people shows but I just thought I'll give this one a try and I'm glad I did and I I was kind of I like it when a show ends and I'm like, that's it? We don't have any more? So I will definitely be – I heard, I think, on Watch Our Crappens, I heard today that they are shooting a second season of the show. So I'm excited about that. It got really good, like, reviews and everything. So I'm glad it's getting picked up again. So this week, Mandy, as she said, watched her first episode of Married at First Sight, episode four. And now you guys, we're going to talk about it. Um. Mandy, what did you think of the episode overall? Overall, I found it really interesting. I was trying to pick up clues to who might make it as a couple and who might not. And, you know, there's just some things where you're like, ooh, I feel like this might not work. And other times where you're like, well, this seems too good to be true. What What's going to go wrong next? <laughs> so- <laughs> Very few scenarios where I was like, oh, this is definitely going to work, right? Because you don't know as much, but you're you're getting to know. And I loved being able to see the sit-downs with friends and family because, 
you know, if you watch the Bachelor or Bachelorette franchise, those are some of the most telling, you know, episodes. And it's only one per the season where you actually get to see these people's families. And marriage is about uniting two families. And so it's not just two strangers that meet, but two families that don't know each other that are now related. (laughs) It's very funny because in the beginning, the friends and the family are like super active. Like they interview them a lot. They're at the wedding. They do like the thing we watch this week. But then at some point during the the season, it kind of like drops down to maybe like one person. And you're like, what happened to like the mom and the dad? And like, they just disappear for a bit. (laughs) So it's, um, it's like important, but then they don't show it to us for a, a while. So I don't know what the justification is there. It's really helpful in getting to know who these people are by seeing the people around them and then how they, you know, welcome or don't welcome the potential new spouse, which is, again, a thing on a lot of these dating shows, right, where there's always a skeptical parent or a skeptical sibling or a skeptical friend that's like, I care about my friends so much that I'm going to be nasty to the person that they (laughs) want to marry. Right? Because I'm such a good friend. (laughs) Every year, I'm like, this is so counterintuitive. Your friend or family member has signed up for this show, signed the contract. I mean, we get to the point where they have, you know, gotten married. I don't know what you add to the process by being anything but like really kind, really welcoming and really supportive. (laughs) So again, I'm going to keep mentioning The Bachelor, but you know how on that franchise, there's a lot of accusations that producers really manipulate things and manipulate the contestants and likely their family. Is is there any kind of of that potentially happening here? Or do you think it's really just some producers, some cameras, and they're just letting it play out? There's probably a little bit of both. I always say maths is like the show of normal people. Like the people okay. are, sometimes they're a little bit extreme, but when you like look at the whole cast of characters that we see on reality TV, these are just really normal people. Um, and their families are usually pretty normal too. So I, I do think there's always a hyping up of your personality because that's what they need. But I think that people kind of are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And do you think people go on the show to become famous? Because I feel like that's happening with 90 Day Fiance and some of these others that were meant to be just quote unquote normal people who (laughs) fell in love with someone in another country and now we're going to watch them go through this visa process. But now they're becoming these uh, like quasi celebrities, right? With all these followers on Instagram and they don't have to work anymore and they can just post ads all the time. And is that, is that happening in this universe? There are some people who it seems that they came on to the show for that and then Tane and I laugh at them because this is not the show for that. Um, You know, some of the couples that have been on before have built some influencer careers, but as Mandy had a time trying to watch the show. So so as you can tell, it doesn't quite have the reach of a bachelor or even a 90 day fiance. So I don't, the influencer thing is, is there's only been a few people who've been able to capitalize off maths like that. Most people just go back to their regular day job. (laughs) It took me four and a half hours to figure out how to watch this show. I'm not even joking. I tried so many different options when it wasn't on YouTube TV. I got like my dad and stepmom's Xfinity login. I got a second login. I tried both. Then I thought, oh, if I just record it, 
on their Xfinity account, then once the recording is over, then I can watch it. No, I can't watch it that way. Then I went on the Lifetime channel and it's like, we'll post it tomorrow and, you know, on the Lifetime app. And I'm like, well, well, what time tomorrow? Because we're recording. And then finally at like 11.26 p.m., I gave up and I got whatever that thing that starts with P is. Philo. Philo, Philo, Philo dough. Um, that's it. And I don't even know how I signed up. I was like in a haze and was just like, okay, I will watch this for a bit and then I will come home early from work and I will finish <laughs> it and I will take notes. <laughs> um, it was one at one point, one of the former people on maths had an influencer deal for Philo and it was, it was great. Cause we were like, yeah, how else are you supposed to watch it? If you don't have regular cable that comes with the channel. But anyway, thank you for all your good work so that you could watch this wonderful show. I can't wait to hear what you think of it. I love people who have never watched it before. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you make can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work. Up to $100 per day, are up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Summer is coming and it is time for all of us to go on vacation. You can use the money you earn from Earn In to buy a new bathing suit or some new clothes for your fun summer vacation. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Autocall on the podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Autocall on the podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max, see earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Ladies, you know that vicious week before your period where you feel like you want to crawl out of your skin, you feel a little bit down or off, and those cravings when you feel like you can eat anything in sight? Well, there's a solution for that. Now it's easier to manage your PMS with estrogen control. You have to try Hormone Harmony. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ALTERCALLMAFS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S for 15% off today. And we're back. Okay, let's dive in. So this episode is, they put honeymoon in the title of the episode, which is definitely part of it, but we never actually see them on their honeymoons. Right? Um, I was a little confused. That's why I had to ask you if it was the right episode. (laughs) (laughs) What we do have is our wedding nights. We saw Chris and Nicole get ready for bed last week. This week we pick up with Kirsten and Shaq. He carries her over the threshold. Good job. There's lots of like slow movements, slow music. They're sitting there talking and she's sitting on his lap. I I take this as a good sign because I'm just looking for good signs. (laughs) Right? Uh, Like you wouldn't sit on someone's lap if you didn't feel comfortable in their presence physically. It's an intimate thing to do. Right. And they talk about how great the day was. But then 
he asks her for a kiss and it's very awkward. <laughs> it is. And I don't know if it was just awkward because they add a music track that sounds awkward or if it was awkward in the moment. And, and that's something that only they will know what it felt like. But I very much appreciated that he asked her for consent to kiss because I feel like that's pretty, maybe, I don't know if it's rare or not rare, but it's a newer thing. Like my whole romantic life, you know, up to this point, like you would just, a guy would just like assume you wanted a kiss at a certain point. And it wasn't until I feel like some of the Me Too movement that people started asking questions about what's appropriate and all of that. So I very much appreciated that he did that. But my question to her was, if you didn't feel comfortable kissing him, why would you sit on his lap? That's a good question. Not that like she's like giving off like, oh, you should give in or anything like that. It's just why are you comfortable with one thing and not the other? Because both seem like extremely intimate to me. And for some backstory for you, why did you tell your bridesmaids that you were waiting for him to ask? (laughs) And then when he did ask, you didn't say yes. Oh, okay. So I've got got a a little bit of an issue with her, but we'll get to that later. So, yeah, um, I was really disappointed um, because she had said previously, we've had like two episodes of Kirsten talking about how he didn't ask at the altar. He didn't ask at the reception and her saying, well, he needs to ask. And then he asks, and then she says no, which is totally her right. But I was confused. Yeah. Um, And so she says that he has to wait. So he helps her with her dress. This is a common theme. And as she's, I kind of like how they did it with her talking clearly to a camera, but also just getting ready for bed and telling the mirror that a kiss might lead to things. So she doesn't want to start with that. And it might get us sidetracked from getting to know each other. Um, Shaq seems stressed about where they are a little bit, but he also says he needs to get to know her. I kind of feel like if I were her, I would have done the kiss right and maybe even made out a little and then been like I really think it's important for us to gradually move into this you know so that we develop our like actual relationship at the same time that we're developing the physical relationship so you set clear boundaries right about like okay I'll let you know when I feel comfortable but you let them know that you're interested because I don't think that he he's still hopeful and he still has a good attitude But I don't know. And they both said very positive things about each other when they were talking. So I hope that gives him something. But uh, I think he's still trying to figure out whether she's really in it. Yeah, uh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I also, okay, another question I've got. Do they always have a filled bathtub with like rose petals in it? And has anyone ever actually used the tub? We have never, I don't recall seeing anybody use the tub, but whoever is involved with the production of the show, I don't want to say they're pushy, but they definitely want to create the environment that if people want to have sex, they have everything they need to do so. Got it. Okay. (laughs) So like they make the room very nice and they make it very romantic and there is a bottle of champagne and somewhere there is probably actually a thing of condoms because we've seen that before. So and and hopefully lube. I mean, come on, let's have the whole thing here. uh, And some couples do have sex on the wedding night. So, but none of these couples did. None of these couples did. Which, well, this is the other thing. A lot of we've watched Maps for a long time. 
a lot of couples have sex on the wedding night and then lie for a few weeks. And then at some point we find out that they did have sex on the wedding night or they had sex at some point in the process and they just chose not to tell us. So when everybody says, no, we didn't have sex, I take it with a grain of salt. Although this crew seems honest. They do seem honest, but I thought McKinley and Dominique might have. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There's something about their vibe the next day. I was like, huh. Yep. So talking to Dominique and McKinley, they were the next ones to go to bed. Um, They have a whole discussion about a body pillow and he asks if it's a divider and she's like, no. Like sometimes I kind of like it when they just show us a conversation like that that's kind of going nowhere. I liked that she asked if he snored because I feel like that is one of the most difficult scenarios in marriages and in partnerships where you share a bed because like... You know, especially if you get married and someone doesn't snore and then they develop something and they start snoring or one of them has to get like a CPAP machine. I mean, you've got to be committed for that. (laughs) You've got to have these conversations because (laughs) I feel like when you ask somebody, really, you're like setting it up so you have an opportunity if you snore or to just be like, be on the lookout. Um, But that's kind of the one of the hazards of marriage to strangers. You've got to dive into everything super quickly. Yeah, uh, for sure. Including, do you snore? I just thought that was funny because it's like a very, like you need the, like some of these answers they're looking for to build like a much longer term relationship. And some of them are just like for the immediate next like 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, Eris and Jasmine were next up and he did not carry her over the threshold. And I was like, what are you doing, Eris? Everybody else has done it so far. Harris was tired. <laughs> <laughs> Must have some energy to carry her, man. He uh, he made me laugh so hard when he when she was like, you know, getting undressed and everything and he's just like, oh, "I just want to go to bed. I am so <laughs> tired." I was like, "Thank you for your honesty." And he looked like his eyes were so tired. I that's his general look. A little bit more pronounced cuz he was tired, but he's a very like <laughs> like a sleepy face. He's a chill face. <laughs> And because you haven't really, like, they have gone through, like, a whole wedding day, a whole reception. It's a lot of hours. Like, I feel like they probably shoot, like, 10 to 12 hours of a wedding and a reception. And so they are pretty tired by the end of it, I believe. Even people who aren't on a reality show that get married are exhausted by the end. I know some people feel like it's so important to have sex on their wedding night. But I think a lot of people don't because... They're exhausted. They fall asleep in the dress. They whatever it is, like it's just it, probably one of the most exhausting days of your entire life, you know. And then t- you've just married a stranger, and it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always in awe of everybody who comes on the show. Our next couple up is Gina and Clint. He carries her over the threshold, and they talk about like how proud they are of themselves for accomplishing a wedding. And I don't actually know why they're that proud, but okay, good for you guys. Um, and you know, they compliment each other a lot. She, Clint says that she's exceeded every expectation and he's excited for tomorrow. And Gina calls him a 10 out of 12. So I was like, yep, this is good. Um, wait, 10 out of 12 or 12 out of 10? Oh, 12 out of 10. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So if she says that, then why in the previews is she like talking about how she doesn't like redheads? I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't expect it from her at all. Don't see, like she she did mention it to his friends early later in the episode that she's like never been into a redhead before. I, Gina's um, 
jury's still out, but it seems like she's lacking a bit of a filter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. She seems a little bit like she doesn't think before she talks, um, but not that she's trying to be hurtful. Gina has also gotten some, sh- well, he said last episode that she probably talked a little bit too much about work at their wedding. And now we're in bed on the wedding night and she's still kind of talking about work a little bit, which I see it as such a big part of her personality that I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, But yeah, she's like, well, I even left my work phone and I want to be a good leader and I can't be that if I'm stretched thin. And I don't know if this is really wedding night conversation, but that's what they chose to talk about. What is her work? She owns her own salon and she's like building her own salon. That like is she was a very to- difficult thing to do to be a small business owner. You don't really get a chance to not be on top of things all the time, right? So it's very different from other people unplugging from work where things will keep moving even though they think they're super important at their job. With this, like you're the top person, you know, and it's a small business. So I, I get it. It's it's probably like she's coming to terms with like, okay, for the next however many weeks, <laughs> it's like, I am just like letting go. <laughs> and she's really only letting go for the honeymoon because they do sort of, for the most part, people resume their normal lives after the honeymoon. They go to work. They, oh, yeah, okay. like they live seven weeks about together, just mostly doing normal life. Okay. And shooting a whole TV show and trying to get to know each other. It's a lot. Do any of them sign a prenup? Um, oh gosh, we had this whole conversation about this last year. Yes, I believe they do all sign prenups. The show probably oh. makes them all sign prenups. Good, thank God. That was my actual number one question when I started this. At first I was like, wait, how did they, you know, match them with each other and all that. And I was like, holy shit, I hope they have prenups. (laughs) So they are matched by a team of experts. Um, Experts in quotes or like? No, like actual PhDs. And we have a pastor, Pastor Cal. You saw the experts and like, they were the ones who were talking. small amount. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Pepper and Pastor Cal are the two experts that we have now. Usually there's three, but like, one left and they kind of haven't replaced her and it's real fun the experts go through a so-called matching process i personally believe and have talked to someone who was on the show who then tried to backtrack later but i believe that all the matching is done by the producers and i don't think the experts are there for anything but show that's that's why i was like experts in quotes (laughs) because it sometimes feels like why are they yeah I don't know. And then when the pastor was like, I mean, technically they can have sex because they're married. And I was like, technically they can have sex because if they want to have sex, they can have sex. It doesn't matter what their fucking title is. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, here you are trying to bring the Bible into it. This is like strangers marrying each other. I guess that's how it was back then though. In the Bible. Um, Yeah, I guess. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. The funny thing about Pastor Cal is he's a pastor because we see him in the context of this show, I don't actually know how he feels about premarital sex. <laughs> well, it's just a statement. I was like, oh, is he like clearly most of these couples have had sex before or all of them, right? Because usually they make a big deal if someone's a virgin. A the producers virgin. do. We had one virgin a few seasons ago. Yeah. No, I mean, it, they obviously they exist, but it's. <laughs> we it's, all agree that was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, 
Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm low. Um, so they all wake up in the morning. They eat breakfast. Everybody says, no, we didn't have sex. Uh, Nicole and Chris, you guys know they're my number one couple right now. Um, and they remain my number one couple this week. And they talk about lateness. And she. they talk about what their first fight will be. And he says she shouldn't be late because of makeup because she's naturally beautiful. The man knows what to say. But everything he says sounds so genuine. He he doesn't sound like a person who just says things to sound good. And so it sounds even better. I think they're probably the strongest couple because they're really opening up to each other. They, they've and had a good very, run so far. <laughs> and being very sort of supportive to each other. Like, while we're in this together, my number one priority is to make you comfortable. Like, Because that's what you need before you can establish a relationship is just the feeling of safety. And I feel like both of them are putting in a lot of effort to make the other one feel safe. That's, and you know, I, sometimes I watch them and I'm like, I feel like with some couples, you can definitely see that they met each other today. And then Nicole and Chris are so comfortable with each other that it's like, you guys just met each other today. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so after everybody has breakfast in bed, um, Eris talking about the bacon was really, I'm still trying to figure out. He told us last week that he doesn't eat like pork, beef. He had a whole list of things. We guessed he might be a pescatarian, but the way he said, was talking about bacon, I was like, is this something, a health issue or something to where you can't eat the stuff anymore? Cause you seem to miss it. Yeah. I couldn't quite tell. Maybe he keeps find- kosher. <laughs> Maybe. That, you know, that sort of called to me. I was like, does he like. Or I halal, actually, you know? Yeah, I thought maybe he'd either, like, converted to Islam or Judaism or some other religion that has restrictions on what you, if you choose to, what you eat. So I was like, well, we'll find out. That's the joy of maths. We usually find out everything about people um, mm-hmm. by the time we're done. <laughs> uh, um, so everybody goes and meets with family. Uh, Eris meets with Jasmine's brother and father. Um, it's very pleasant and nice. Um, Jasmine meets with Felina, who everybody seems to shorten to Fowl. It's funny because I feel like closed captioning had Val, but it should be Fowl because her name starts with an F. Um, and Fowl is just not very supportive. She's like, I thought he was crazy. He just woke up one day and said he was getting married. Okay, we can work with that. But then she's just... She accuses Jasmine of having pageant answers, like, you know... Uh, Jasmine answers about her previous relationship ending seven months ago, which I actually think is plenty of time. I'm sure Tane will disagree with me, (laughs) but they're like, Oh, it's a very recent relationship. And she's like, well, you know, you break up, but before you break up, you're already broken up. And Val accuses her. And it did feel like an accusation of having pageant answers, which is the same thing that Val said last week. Mandy thoughts. I very much disliked Val saying that because, um, I've been accused of this before, not in relationships, but just when I first started podcasting, people were like, it sounds like she's reading up from a script or she like always says things in a certain way. And I don't know, some people just talk how they talk. And (laughs) like, I don't know, like what's the worst thing is that this girl's too poised and you think that she's not being real. I think it's actually very real to say, yeah, we broke up seven months ago, but I was thinking about it seven months before that. Like, that's that's not necessarily a poised answer. That's just a, like, I was in this relationship and I wasn't feeling great about it. And so I stayed in it 
trying to figure it out. I feel, I mean, Jasmine, I feel like Felina heard that Jasmine was in pageants and has decided like that's who she is. Right. And, and I just feel like Jasmine just, we all have varying skills when it comes to putting words together and Jasmine is just exceptional at it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. And that's a good thing. And I don't know. I mean, it's not like she defines herself as a pageant person. It almost seems like the show is defining her by being like, oh, queen without a king. Like that, they're putting these adjectives and kind of a persona on her that from what I've seen just from like the 90 minutes that I watched doesn't seem to be who she identifies as. That's not like a core part of her identity. You know, if you watch The Real Housewives of Potomac, you've got Ashley and Candace and pageants were a very big part of their identity. And when they first meet each other and don't like each other and are competing, you know, you can tell that that's part of who they are. Anyways, I thought she's been really open with him and he's been open with her. And I think it's they're great and they've got a lot of good chemistry. And I just think that, I don't know, like what's the worst that can happen from the cousin's point of view? But can he not handle an annulment or a breakup? Um, I thought it was so funny that he brought up Ashley and Candace because they do have that in common with Jasmine in that they just know how to speak. <laughs> they yeah. know how to express their thoughts and they're very quick on their feet. Yeah, sometimes too quick. <laughs> <laughs> Candace gets her mouth. She gets her mouth in a lot of trouble. But um, I love her. She's been using it for good this season. I like. I greatly enjoyed her telling Ashley, like, your relationship, your husband was doing all kinds of stuff, and my husband doesn't do that, so I don't have to worry. The way she said it was like yeah, better than what I just so said, and I was like, beautifully, like when she said your your former relationship had toxic notes. I loved that because it wasn't saying you had a toxic relationship, which it was, because people get defensive when you say that. But instead, she was, like, highlighting, well, parts of it were toxic. Um, anyways, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Sorry. A little Potomac sidebar for – and I know some of you will appreciate it. Um, so Mac has a, a brunch with Dominique's mom and grandma and aunt. And we get kind of a redo of the conversation because now we're on our second round of talking about interracial dating. Um, and I appreciated that they asked him the question that we had all been kind of wondering, like, you said you've dated white and Latina women and black women, but really you've been in relationships with white and Latina women and been on some dates with black women. I, maybe you don't have all the whole history of the show, but I'm absolutely shocked that the experts matched him with a biracial woman when he's never been in a serious relation, interracial relationship. Yeah, I don't know how this goes on the show, but I think in real life, this happens all the time where people, but it's it's natural, right? It's not set up. So people fall in love and it's like, well, I've never dated a person of a different race before. Or I've never dated someone of a different religion. And they sometimes learn the hard way that others aren't as accepting or that it, there are, you know, things to navigate that are complicated, you know, that that one of them may not be well-versed in <laughs> navigating. Um, you know, great examples recently is um, Harry and Meghan 
and how he was saying he was just very blinded to a lot of racism and I forgot what he's been calling it. Unconscious bias. Unconscious bias. Yes. Which is a real, a very, it it is, but it's a very um, real thing because I think a lot of people who have it don't realize it's very unconscious because you're socialized to be a certain way. Right. And you don't always know that it's there and then it comes out. Um, But if you obviously are a person of color uh, or you know, biracial as she is, Megan's always known, right? And he just never knew. And they've had to navigate so many like stupid racial things. And you know, I, I, um, I'm gonna disagree with. Well, now that we're really going down a rabbit hole, but I disagree that Megan has always known because uh, oh, because she said she, people never talk about being biracial. But Megan um, presents a certain way. To where yeah. she freely admitted that she doesn't walk through life as a black as woman. a black woman. Yeah, not because she's denying her own blackness, but because the world doesn't see it on her. Mm-hmm. So I think that honestly, marrying into the British royal family was Meghan's first time dealing with racism, and she was a very unprepared. Mm-hmm. That too. Yeah, they both were unprepared. I think for how nasty. Everyone can be. <laughs> Maybe that was not a good example, actually. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good example. I mean, it's just you know, you you fall in love with someone and you fall in love with their personality and who they are, and then there's all this other shit that comes along. Like, wait, like their family, right? Like Harry's fucking family, <laughs> most worst family ever, right? And so, like, I couldn't think of a worse family for her to join with. You know, they're cold. They're not. No one hugs. <laughs> Sounds horrible. The difference you know, in that, though, uncle, that's that... like a child predator. You know, like. I mean, good on her for trying. <laughs> um, she's a saint. But the match, we, we get that we are pretty critical of the experts um, because. Because this is a certain type of like environment, I believe that they have the opportunity to take less risks. So they have done some interracial matching before. Um, their first black-white interracial matching was only a couple seasons ago, though. And in my opinion, unless that person has a clear dating history of dating people, serious relationships outside their own race, don't do it. <laughs> Um, and the, I, the experts, people give a lot of preferences, and we've we've talked about this. The experts sometimes, like, throw preferences out of the window. Like, someone says they don't like bald guys, and they match them with a bald guy. But with racial preferences, they're usually pretty good. So I am mm-hmm. actually confused as to why they match Dominique with Mac. Um, and it's her preference to be with someone who is also biracial or Black? And, you know, it never came up, but I don't. I don't think she's ever said like what she put on her questionnaire. I I know that she would have to say that she was open to a um a white person for her to be matched with a white person. I think that at minimum they would do that. I did write down this might sound mean, but she has the kind of smile where you can't tell what she's thinking. The smile is a real issue for me. <laughs> okay, so it's not just I was like something's wrong with it. It's like you can't read her face, which makes me question her. 
And it's not her fault. I think she just like genetically has a face and <laughs> smiles all the time. And- like instead of resting bitch face, it's just like vague smile face. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought she did a great. She's both times that she's met with his mom and his sister. Last episode she did. This episode she did. I feel like she did a great job. Like she she definitely like broke the tension. She actually got his mom smiling because um, his mom definitely has RBF. but we got to see her smile a little bit um until she talked about how she kind of wished her son hadn't done this yeah um but i mean dom dom is like what am i there's nothing i can do about that and she's just very positive so i thought she did a good job at their meeting um i thought that clint and gina had like the least depth to their conversations with the families Yeah. And it was a lot with like his friends. I don't, I couldn't tell if any of them were his family. I don't know what kind of quickly, but it, they did point out that both of them are travel a lot and are quite busy. And that is a very difficult thing for people who are in relationships. And if you don't have a solid foundation, when someone else is always gone, that can lead to suspicion and, um, you know, I don't know, just being like frustrated that they're not with you, right? You committed to me and then now you're not here. So I, I thought they actually pointed out or something that they will have to figure out as, as Clint and Gina. I, my opinion on Clint and Gina is that there was never any hope from them from the beginning. Cause I did not like Clint. Um, <laughs> um, he's really obsessed with his sailing and, and, I think that he kind of wants to slot someone into his life. I don't think he wants to merge lives with somebody. This is a lot of assumption for this early in the game. But, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know how they're going to navigate. I don't know what her travel is for. His travel is that he likes to sail boats all around the world. Is that um, his job or is that his hobby? That is his hobby. He has, like, a real job, too. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I, I don't – I was curious, like, where is she traveling to and – they both want to travel. It would be best if they traveled together. That would be the ideal outcome. Yeah. Why does she, does she have to go to like trunk shows or get salon products? And yeah, I don't know. It's very unclear. They do seem like a couple though, that if they met in real life would potentially date or just be friends. Like they seem so at ease around each other. And I haven't seen, you know, the episodes before this, and I don't know what's coming, but there is a level of just like, they just kind of say what they're thinking without all of this, like, oh, I have to be so careful with my words. And the others are kind of dancing around what they really want to say and what they want to communicate. And Gina and Clint, for better or for worse, are just kind of saying what they're thinking. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's just like they seem... Like, so easygoing. They do. They do. Chris meets with Nicole's dad, mom, and stepdad. And her dad is, like, just grilling this poor man. Um, Also compares him to serial killer. Which, last week, Dominique's mom compared um, Mac to a serial killer. Like, oh, they're so nice. Uh, (laughs) But so were the serial killers. It was funny. It was very funny when Nicole's dad said that. Oh my God, Nicole, so funny. So Nicole talking to his family, what I found fascinating about that is last episode, Nicole clearly identified that Chris is like 
going to do everything for her and try to make her happy. And I remember saying like, oh, that's a little premature of you. And then she goes to breakfast with his family and they basically say the same thing. And yeah. So now I'm like, Nicole, you really like clocked this about him within like hours of meeting him. Good job. She seems very um, emotionally competent. Like she's got, uh, like just that she can read him and her, for her to be like, okay, he's someone who maybe is a little bit vulnerable and has a soft heart. Like I need to protect his heart. That I thought was beautiful. I'll say it before I say it again. I'm just going to root for them. So you had a question about success rates. Yes. Maths is, I want to say, in the high 20s for success. No way. That's pretty high. It's so uneven, though. So, like, we haven't had a successful couple in, like, we have a couple who's still together, but I think they shouldn't be, so I don't count them. That's um, Olajuwon and Katina. And then before that, we have, like, Brianna and Vincent, who are, like, to me, our most recent successful couple. They just had a baby in January. Um, but when you go back, yeah, MAPS is fairly successful. Some seasons, no one stays together. There have been a couple seasons where at least two couples stay together and have been together for years. There's a lot of MAPS babies. Um, so if they haven't, if they break up, do they have, can they get an annulment because it's like within a certain amount of days or do they actually have to go through a full divorce? Most couples go through a full divorce. There were two, the DC season, there were two of the guys like just decided to fight for an annulment and they like dragged out the process for much longer because they decided they wanted annulments. Oh my God. And I believe the DC they managed family to... courthouse. What? With the DC family courthouse. I'm actually not sure that they got married in DC. I think, wait, oh. no, they got married to the Mandarin Oriental. So yes, they did. That get was in DC. And so the old, that was the, it's a different hotel now, yeah. but, um, yeah, no, the, I interned one summer at the D.C. Family Courthouse, and my goodness, it is um, a place to behold. <laughs> so, yes, everybody gets divorced except for those two who manage to get it, get themselves granted annulments. Wow. <laughs> and everybody who decides not to stay together. And so there is a decision day at the end of the season where they're supposed to decide whether or not to stay married. And some people get divorced then. And then other people stay together on decision day and get divorced later. Um, okay. They try and they don't make it. Yeah. Like the, a lot of the bachelor couples get engaged and then they call off the engagement. That's probably the most common thing that happens. I would say divorce is the most common thing that happens on maths. <laughs> but the success rate to me is good enough to where I can see why people still sign up for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you see the couples, like it's truly like fun to watch people we saw them meet each other we saw them like go through eight weeks together they used to have a show where we got to follow up with them and then we see them have like kids and you're like wow like this really works so yes yeah I mean it would just be interesting to see the rates of all of the sort of dating relationship type shows and then the general public um because the most from what I've seen from data, likely success of a long marriage doesn't mean it's a good marriage, right? But for, you know, not being divorced is getting married after age 35. And I think that's just because people know who they are a little more then. Um, and then I think the the highest rate of divorce is if you get married before 24. 
or 24 and under because you just it, people just change so much between that that and then when they're 40 that sometimes you grow apart. So we are big advocates of the late 30s crowd on the show. Woo! Um, Dominique is 25 and we're like, we don't understand why she's on the show. You have not exhausted all your possibilities by the time you're 25, as much as you try to convince us. Is that what this show is about? Like feeling like pe- the people feel like they've exhausted their possibilities and they want to try something different because nothing else they've done has worked? Or are there a lot of different reasons for going on the show? The most cited reason is that like I've tried everything <laughs> or I've dated people or, you know, like the people who I picked were not for me. So maybe I should put it in someone else's hands. I get that. Although I would do it maybe with like a matchmaker as opposed to <laughs> like actually getting married, but you know. And then the 20, I would say the, the young twenties, which is like the 20, there's varying degrees. Like I can recall of ones that were, they, they were like 25 and 26 and it was a complete disaster. But then like our most recent couple, I think they were like 28 and 29 and there's not much of a difference there, but you know. I would argue there's a huge difference. <laughs> Between like 25 and 29 in terms of just maturity. Um, and I know the thing is it's hard when people are like in their mid-20s. They like to think that they're mature and they're an adult. But um, I just think it takes so to know who you are and to feel comfortable with who you are and to learn how to navigate conflict in life, whether it be with family, with friends, at work, in relationships. It takes time, right? You have to fail a lot and then figure out, you know, different tools in a toolbox, right? And what relationships are is about communication and navigating potential conflict because that's just what happens. And it's not a negative thing. It's just figuring out how to how to do that. And it's it's harder the younger you are. And the show is kind of we didn't we didn't get to that part yet, but at a certain point, we get to see the experts come in and counsel them and talk to them and work through their issues with varying degrees of success. And it's very much a learning experience in some yeah. ways of like, oh, relationships, and this is how it works, and this is what you should do, and exercises. And yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the idea that the experts seem to give us is that like they can do no wrong, um, and they've matched these two people and if the people are truly committed, they can make it work. And us looking from the outside are like, no, like some of these people are incompatible. And you can see why on paper they, you, we can see why you match them, but just give it up. You know, don't, things sometimes get dragged out too long with people who really probably shouldn't be together. Yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> we'll be right back. If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like their ginger lime mule and grapefruit paloma, which happen to be my favorites. You can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% of the recess mocktail sampler at takearecess.com slash autocall MAFS. You guys know I don't drink very much. So recess is a great substitute while everybody else imbibes. It's a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like uplifting guayusa and stress-balancing adaptogens. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make recess mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. 
Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altercallMAFS so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back. Jasmine comes back from her brunch with Eris's cousin and family and is like, they are very protective of you. And this is what we mean by Jasmine just saying things beautifully. Because I, if I was her, I'd have been like, yeah, they were pretty rude and mean to me for absolutely no reason. But she's like, they're protective of you. I think that's a great way to look at it because it's not coming from a place of not liking her. It's just coming from a place of like they're going to start with skepticism because they care about him. And I don't know why, but sometimes I find that women are more like that over like male like brothers or cousins or whoever, it's almost like because they don't think the men can suss out things for themselves. It's a kind of um, patronizing, <laughs> like as if well, he can't wrong. figure out for himself. <laughs> I, it's a weird um, a thing that people do. I don't know. Like when my brother had a girlfriend that I didn't like a long time ago, I was just like, okay, he'll like, if he wants to figure it out, if he likes her, then maybe I'm the one that's wrong. You know? And at this point, they he doesn't know her and they're all trying to get to know each other and i just the negativity that they brought to the process i just find very unnecessary like be i don't think they were very kind to her and that's the bare minimum you can do i do feel though that she kept things positive and she kept things moving and she didn't let it like completely upend her day or her experience i mean they went on to Jamaica. She was feeding him grapes in the tub. That was hilarious. I um, The next part is right before they go on the honeymoon. And they Jasmine tells us that she's going to go get her hair braided. And then they show a Chiron that says four hours later. And every single person who knows anything about braids knows full well that Jasmine's braids do not take four hours. They took much longer than that. So everybody gets Ooh, their gift. Good point. <laughs> I do not know a lot about braids, but I know they take forever. With a good braider, they can take, okay, five hours, depending on how much hair you have. But I was just like, why are you trying to convince me that she got her hair braided? Like she drove to the salon, sat down, got her hair braided and came back within four hours. That didn't happen. Um, (laughs) But everybody gets their gift baskets and... They open them up and then we actually saw a preview of this clip in After Party last week. But this week we get to see that Shaq tells Kirsten that they are not going straight to the honeymoon. They are going to Jackson, Mississippi because he needs to present at a conference. Kirsten is not happy. And I think she's entitled to be not happy. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) So this isn't just a conference. He's in school. Now, I don't know what he's in school for. He's he's he's, working on his PhD. Yes. Okay. So presenting research when you are in a PhD program is incredibly, incredibly important. And there are a few things in life, I think, as – I'm trying to find the right word – 
like not just time consuming, but like all encompassing as getting a PhD. It is a extremely difficult thing, also emotionally, right? Because it takes a very long time and you are up against a lot and you have to get people on your side within the department that you're working in. It is a huge task. This also seems to be a huge part of who he is, right? If he's working towards a PhD, that's something, I mean, he's making a lot of sacrifices, right? Of his time, of his everything, money, you know? Um, So I, if I were her, I would be excited to be like, (laughs) wow, I get to see you in your element. I get to see a side of you that I may not have ever gotten to see, you know, until way later. And if this is core to who you are, I want to know what that is. It's only a day. My God. (laughs) I mean, Mandy, you are right. I see your point. No, it doesn't, it's not right or wrong. People just feel differently. I just feel like if she's in this for a the long haul, then you want to be able to get insight into how someone is. If you have an opportunity to see this person around children, my God, what insight would that give, right? I would rather spend a day trying to do taxes with a stranger and see how they are around children like than go to Jamaica. Because that's more like that would give me more information about how to navigate life with this person. That is all very true. (laughs) That's way too pragmatic. (laughs) But my only but is we're, you know, maths is a process. You have to be committed. Like if you're so busy getting your PhD, maybe maths is not the process for you. But I kind of, once I found out that it was only going to delay them by one day, I was like, this doesn't seem that bad. And you are correct that like, uh, and I, did, but I also think she didn't throw that big of a tantrum. She was just like, you know, um, you owe me one, and I think that's true. Yeah, that's- no, I think that was fine. It was more in the confessional. She seemed to be a little bit more down about it and negative about it, and I wasn't sure if that's because that was filmed like after something had happened, or or what. But she was just kind of like, ah, but. I don't know. Again, I think if you're really interested in this person, you should be like, wow, I'm really excited to get to know this part of your life. Like, what is your research on? Um, Yeah, I'm I was actually curious as to what I'm curious. What is he he researching and presenting on? I mean, this stuff. I am also like a huge nerd and very into school and into research and data and methodology and all that kind of shit. So um, I would have loved this, right? I I was like a grad school TA for um, qualitative and quantitative uh, analysis <laughs> classes. So you would, okay. I'm like, this is up my alley. So as soon as he said that, I was like, he got like so much more interesting to me. <laughs> he actually, he also works for a university. And I think that's the same university that he's getting, like he works in the administration. So I, I'm glad for, like I said, I'm glad for him that he's doing this. I'm glad that she's going with him. Um, and I, yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. I'm hoping it bonds them, but we see a brief clip of her sitting in a hotel room at the conference and she doesn't seem to be that happy. Cause I guess she didn't even get to go to the conference. She just had to wait for him. Um. <laughs> That's so weird though. Like, oh, maybe it's because he was registered and she wasn't registered and you can't like physically go in the space. That would suck, right? Because the whole point of this is to be able to support and to, you know, be Listen there. to the boring presentation about the topic that you know nothing about. And you, you don't, don't even get to, to do boring. that. 
I don't know. I like listening to stuff I have nothing, nothing about, you know, especially if I get to talk to that person in the evening and I'm like, okay, so explain this thing. How do you know this? When did you figure out that, you know? It depends. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody else gets into a sprinter van um, and heads to the airport and they talk and Mac makes a joke about how he and Dominique had sex last night, but I'm with Mandy in that that may not have been a joke. Um, yeah. So uh, Dominique and Mac seem to have a thing about the plane. He's in the middle seat. He's not happy about it. Um, Mandy, if you had pre-check and you were traveling with a partner who did not have pre-check, would you um, leave them or would you stay in the regular line? If I had been with them for a while, I would leave them because I'm like, okay, we know each other's like process. You just like aren't going to prioritize pain for this. So I'll let, leave you behind. But if it's like a new relationship and they're not as astute of a, of a traveler, then I would go with them. Sounds good. Sounds good. Eris made the right choice in my decision. I was not hot on Eris before the wedding, but honestly, he's been doing pretty good. He's going up in my estimation. Yeah, he's also very excited to get hot and steamy with Jasmine, which he tells all the other couples. <laughs> that is that seems to be an heiress thing because he's told the other couples. He told he basically told his groomsmen. He said something about it before he even met her. So this is a theme with heiress. He's very okay. open. <laughs> My question is, so you know how they have the little Chiron where it says like their name and then his says reformed and ready for love. What is he reformed from? Apparently being, like, a playboy of some kind. Okay. Like a cheater Um, or just someone who is very interested in many different women? For those of you who watched After Party, Eris was asked if he was faithful in his last relationship, and he said 90%. (gasps) Take that what you will. (laughs) Okay. But maybe maybe they want to have a different type of marriage. I don't know. Or is oh. this is everyone that wants to enter this wants to enter a hundred percent monogamous yes. relationship? That's the okay. assumption. That's the assumption. I don't know. <laughs> we, we, but you know, Mandy, your the possibilities are endless because I'm like, when are we going to have a mass couple where like both of them are good with an open marriage? Or like I, polyamorous, so it's like they have multiple like actual relationships. It's not just sexual. There's something kind of like small c conservative about the show i mean there's the fact that we've never had a gay or lesbian couple they they have the show has a certain um stance on marriage and no shit (laughs) and and because of that i don't really ever see it going in that direction but it could be a possibility it is such a like the show itself is so gendered they make everything gendered, even when the participants don't seem to care as much about, you know, roles and stuff like that. It's so gendered that they at the resort in Jamaica gave different colored drinks to the men and the women at the hotel upon arrival. I did not notice that. I did. And it was I actually had to pause it. And I was like, holy shit, do all the men have the orange drinks and all the women have like the purpley drink? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's like, oh, you're going to want the sweeter one or what? I don't know. It's like they, they're just making so many assumptions about marriage and what the role of a wife and the role of a husband is rather than of a partner. They never use the term partner. Do you, um, did you watch Family Karma this week? Half. 
I fell asleep <laughs> just because I like I can never stay awake. I'm so sorry. It's also my favorite show on Bravo, like one of them. So it's the show that I watch when I'm like all cuddled up and getting cozy under the covers because it's like feeds my soul. Um, but are you which what are you talking about? Which part? So this week, um, you know, Nicholas and Amrit are wedding planning and at one point, I believe it's either Vishal or uh, Amrit talks about how everything in an Indian wedding is so gendered. So yes. the, the the woman does this and the man does that. And like, as they're planning this gay wedding, it's very, very, it's like very much coming into focus how everything is gendered. Mm-hmm. Which and how the speaks to your point parents about- have to do one thing and <laughs> the-, the bride's parents have to do another thing. And um, what I think is so beautiful about their wedding is that they get to choose what pieces make sense for them of Indian like wedding culture, right? And also diff- people from different parts of India have different things that they do during wedding ceremonies as well, which we saw during Risha and Vishal's wedding because she's from a different, um, I think she's from like Punjab, a different region than he is. And so she's like, oh, in my region, we do these like, bracelets that you keep on for a certain number of days or months after the wedding and you sleep in them and you wear them all the time so yeah the gendered stuff is odd to me because I feel like um and maybe it's because like the I don't know what the audience of Married at First Sight is like um but I know that a lot of the audience like for example for The Bachelor is very is a lot more like conservative and so they feature more conservative contestants or families that have like more traditional backgrounds and they seem to be like digging in their heels a bit because they did dip their toe in the water of diversity and they had a lesbian couple one season um cuz one of the girls was bisexual and I feel like it was only okay because they were like white and blonde and still some people didn't like it. So (laughs) I think, I don't know. It feels like some of these shows are just like holding on to these ideas, um, not just of gender, but also of what it means to be a partner where the woman has to shoulder a certain amount of work and labor in the marriage versus the man is what I just from watching 90 minutes. (laughs) And specifically what the pastor was saying. I was like, not about what he was saying. You're not too far off in that a lot of maths, people who are cast on maths have been religious. Like a lot of talk about church and God. And there's a lot, I mean, the way that they speak, I always call it small C conservative because I don't want to mix the two. Um, There is a conservative bent to the idea of matching men and women um for marriage and this is the vision of marriage and i would say pastor cal is probably the worst offender and we call him out on it all the time um but i don't think it's true for all the experts um they 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 don't necessarily have very strict defining rules for men and for women i think once we get like further along they're they're very open to what the couples want and what they need and they do a somewhat decent job of matching their visions but a lot of the people who are on the show, who want to be on the show, do kind of fall into that category of traditional. Which works, right? If they, I think what's most important is that the um, 
couples are aligned in what they want, right? Because if someone wants a certain type of marriage where like the woman does all the cooking and the cleaning and the raising of the kids and the man is the main breadwinner and like does work in the garage and whatever, it, it sure, like if that's what makes people happy, that's amazing. Like I don't think there's a problem with that. I think the issue is if they're trying to push it on people that maybe that's not what they would choose. So you're just telling me that the majority of the people that are going – you know, on the show have potentially a more traditional view of marriage, which is fine. Yeah. I would. I don't know if I'd call it quite the majority, but definitely a large subset. It just seems like they're not wanting or maybe not as interested in having the couple explore what a partnership looks like. They're like, well, in marriages, you need to do this. And it's like, well, maybe like, I don't know. I think I, I would like disagree with the that. Thing. Okay. Yeah, it's also because I haven't see, seen Mandy, much I didn't get you to watch a whole season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I already subscribed to what the Philo Doe channel or whatever. That is. <laughs> I think I like Mandy. You know, add this to your schedule. Watch a whole season because when they do get to the therapy part of things, they are strictly exploring who they are as individuals, and they don't put. Even, I mean, Pastor Cal sometimes does um, say certain things, but they don't put a lot of pressure for them to be a certain way. They put a lot of pressure, I think, on them to make a functioning marriage, however that's going to work for them. Okay. Well, that's awesome, right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think every couple should have to go through that. <laughs> I don't think it would hurt. I don't think it would hurt. Never. So, the episode ends on a very interesting note. My number one couple, Chris and Nicole, um, at first I, you know, I, I was listening to them talk about their previous relationships and I was like, it's a little bit early to be talking about previous relationships, but Chris and Nicole set me in my place. So he talks about how his last romantic vacation was not romantic because the person who he went on vacation with wanted nothing to do with him. Um, and she said, she's glad that he's sharing. And then he asked her about her previous relationships and she talks about one that she had that was very, when she was young, where, um, the person told her that she wasn't worthy of love and at one point asked her to prove that she like loved him by letting him burn a cigarette on her, which was like the most horrifying thing. I think one of the most horrifying things uh, that I've ever heard. And um, she talks about how she has to like kind of talk herself into believing that she's worthy of love. And he talks about how he feels that he can be that with her. That, I'm sorry, he talks about how they can be their true selves with each other and they're sharing and opening up and he tells her that he admires her. I and thought I, this was a beautiful exchange. I need these I two to stay together and I feel so silly because we're on episode four and my heart has been broken many a time by this show. But Chris and Nicole, for me, you need to make this work. I feel like they're very committed to making it work. And when he was talking about how he was on that vacation and the woman didn't want to touch him, I mean, that's him saying to her, like, I didn't feel wanted. And and she's like, well, you don't have to worry about that with me, which was like a nice thing for her to say, like, I'm interested in you. I'm attracted to you. I want to be intimate with you, like giving those signals. And then when she opened up about the abuse she experienced, he was telling her that she's brave and um, it was just a very beautiful thing. And I think the more this is like what I meant when I said they're willing to be vulnerable and share things that maybe they're ashamed of, that they wouldn't feel comfortable sharing with necessarily friends or family, but they're sharing it with each other. And that forms a good foundation of being open, even when it's uncomfortable 
and even when you feel bad about what happened. So I feel like you've joined me on team Chris and Nicole. I'm glad you're here. Um, that was my number one that I circled. I was like, oh, the, the, at first I was worried that she was going to have to, like he was like weak and because of how his family described him, like if you don't like him, just like let him down easy and just like don't drag it on. And I'm like, oh my God, like this guy is so, he just like so fragile. But I actually don't think he's so fragile. I think he just really wants to be in a loving good relationship and he hasn't found someone that wants that love from him yet. And so it's just almost like he's looking for someone who's also interested in being loved the way he wants to love, which I think she is all about. So that's awesome. It's awesome. I I have to throw in my warnings. I've seen it before. (laughs) (laughs) They're so great in the beginning. And then by the end of it, they're like screaming at each other. So, or saying terrible things to each other, but I do have a lot of hope for them. So Mandy, did you have questions or comments about your maths watching experience? Not as much anymore. I mean, you answered the question about the prenup, which was my highest concern. Like, could you imagine someone just reproduct, like taking ownership of someone's car or house, <laughs> like, you know, just because they were married for three days? Um, yeah, no, I thought this was a really a cool show. It's no different to me than the glossier version of The Bachelor, right? When people, which is also kind of nuts, right? Blasphemy. That is blasphemy, Mandy. This is not The Bachelor. <laughs> you know, it's it's a wild idea, right? To have like, you know, okay, we're going to choose 30 people and you get to choose from one of these people to get engaged and married to. And that's just insane. Um, <laughs> but it's also super insane to be like, okay, we decided we're going to marry you with this person. Does anyone get matched and not actually make it down the aisle? No. Um, okay, basically, so there's a point like... in the process where you sign contracts. <laughs> and I okay. feel like after that point, you cannot back out. And so people, I, oh my gosh, I've watched so many seasons. Everybody gets married. Um, there have been seasons where someone got married and like refused to even go to the hotel room with their husband. That was actually, oh my gosh, last season, season before. Um, and they never lived together. And the honeymoon was like a disaster. They slept in separate rooms and it was, but other than that, people basically, I, you know, we give people all kinds of shit, but people really do commit to the show and they try it and they seem to give it their best efforts with their physical presence, if not their mental presence. So I tend to believe that like 90% of the people cast on the show really actually want to be married. At least they think they do. (laughs) sometimes this process reveals to them that they don't but i think that genuinely when they sign up for it they do want to be married yeah and so do they actually see each other for the first time as they're walking down the aisle or do these okay so they don't like meet for like an hour beforehand no okay so this is actually quite different than what arranged marriages are especially nowadays like modern arranged marriages are usually a person is interested, the family vets them, and then is like, hey, daughter, do you want to marry this person? Are you interested? And if they say no, then the family is like, okay, we'll find someone else, you know? Um, it's not as, it's not as like forced, I think, as people think it is. I used to live in Bangladesh, and um, I always thought it was like wild that there were so many arranged marriages, but once I saw how it actually worked, 
it was much more about like, let's find potential people that you would be interested in and that our families would get along with. And Nicole's dad said it, and I kind of agreed with him that I I don't actually think this process is like equivalent to an arranged marriage because the cultures that practice arranged marriages have a a surrounding culture around Mm -hmm. the arrangement of the marriage. These people have a TV show. Right. And they also, people are like, well, arranged marriages usually work longer. And I'm like, well, there's also a lot of family pressure to stay together. This show has a little bit of pressure to stay together, but you kind of have more, there's more societal support for you leaving your arranged marriage if you're unmarried at first sight versus if you come from a culture that has arranged marriage. Yeah. So, so I, I, I don't think, think there's, there's like, much the pressure though, like from people I know that are in arranged marriages, it's much more of the matchmaking process is very well thought out. It's not just like haphazard at all. It's actually extremely like we know what this person wants and we're finding some what they want. So like rather than you swiping through a gazillion people on Tinder or whatever, you've got your family or your rabbi or whatever, someone who knows you so well that also knows a lot of other people and is like, I see it working. Just like how when friends set each other up, if you can see something working, sometimes it works really well if you really know the person. But yeah, I, I, I find it, it pressure and it can be pressure and it can be support. It, you know, it can be both of those things. But but they usually don't go down the aisle that quickly. It's like months of getting to know each other. In more depending formal. on the culture, I I ended yes, up spending yes, yes. quite a bit of time with um, a culture that had a lot of like semi arranged marriage, and I ended up talking to people who were divorced, <laughs> um, and yeah. so I got a kind of a a perspective that was probably not a hundred percent the picture, but definitely probably more negative. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I totally I totally understand why arranged marriages can work. I don't think arranged marriages are a bad thing, but they can be a bad thing, just like non-arranged marriages can be a bad exactly. thing. Exactly. And I the feel family like pressure part yeah. of it, I do think creates people staying in marriages that they probably shouldn't. Yeah, that's but I think that's true in non-arranged marriage. There we go. <laughs> there we you go. Know, I think that there's pressure all around um to stay in relationships, um, even when it's not serving you. But the ones I've seen, there is always like a, if you don't like this, like we don't have to go through with it kind of a thing. Like this is just an option you get to choose and they have to be interested, right? You know, it's like both parties show interest and then there's like a courtship period. And then, and that in what I've seen and granted, it's like different everywhere, right? Depends on the culture. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Married at First Sight, Mandy? It's a cool show. I like it. It's nice to see a show of real people who whose like end goal isn't to become Instagram famous. See, that's why it's better than The Bachelor, and that's why I don't I don't stand for any comparisons. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it was just like I'm trying to understand the, um, I guess the process because like I know the Bachelor process, so like it starts out a certain way. They keep dating. Eventually, it's like narrowed down. You get fantasy suites, then you meet families or whatever. I don't remember the order, but like this is a process. I wasn't sure what the process was because it starts with the wedding, so it's almost like a backwards version of the Bachelor. Kind of, it was cool. I liked it. It's, ta- it's time for you to watch a season, Mandy. You need to go back to this. Is you're we're only four episodes in. I have so to check have to how continue. much this subscription is that I got. <laughs> 
you on the Lifetime app with the Xfinity log on. You just have to wait a day. There you go. Okay. I can do that. I can do that. I, I'll be like super behind because I'm behind on most shows. Um, but yeah. No I'll pressure. Three, no four pressure. Days later, you know. No, I, I'll let you know if I keep watching. Thank you so much for coming on. So excited to have you here. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So my podcast is called Is This Real Life with Mandy Slutsker? And you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a difficult time remembering it, you can just type in Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y, and then slut, S-L-U-T, into- Mandy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I come up, right? Like, it's like lean into it, right? My last name's Slutsker, but it's spelled Slutsker. So um, yeah. (laughs) And so if you guys watch the bat, uh, not the bachelor. Oh my god! If you watch Real Housewives, um, please come listen to my show. I love it. I'm currently covering Potomac, Salt Lake, um, some of Miami, and I just have a great time with it. And I've had Tane and Ada on before, so you can listen to the episode that they're on. And we've actually met in real life before, which was so 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 fun at a Southern Charm event. So. Thank you, Aid, so much for having me on. I really appreciate you thinking of me, and hopefully your listeners appreciated my um, extremely intense opinions about a show that I've only watched one time. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. This was so fun. I loved your intense opinions. Yes, and, and justice for um, Shaq, the uh, PhD student. <laughs> like... I just love to marry a PhD. <laughs> Oh, you guys, that's it for us this week. You can find Tane on the rewatch with Nana. They are covering season six of Sex and the City. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at AlterCallMAFS. That is A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. We love hearing from you guys on social media. Uh, We're available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review if that's what you'd like to do on any platform that you listen to us on. Have a great week. Bye. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.